Take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, as I remind you that we are in a series of messages together entitled Purpose-Filled Living. I believe this with all my heart that we live in a day where that people are searching for answers, and one of the answers they're searching for is this, is that they want to live a life that counts But what's going on in society today is a life that really doesn't count. Listen to what Kyle Alderman said in his message from Southeast Church not recently. He said this. He said, the gospel is the one thing that is totally counter-cultural. Let me say it again. The gospel is the one thing that is totally counter-cultural. It is the thing that brings relevance to someone's life. See, people, they do not need something, listen to this, to be like everything else. They need something to change their life. And we believe this, that the first thing that a person must do to to live a purpose-filled life is to surrender themselves to the Creator, His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you then can live purposely. And we've been saying here at JFBC that John 15, 16 is our theme verse for the year where Jesus said, we did not choose him, but he chose us. And so that we should go and bear fruit and that fruit would remain. And then he said this, I love this part as well. He said, then you will ask whatever you will ask and I will give it to you. So today, as we continue our study, we've already said this at the core of who we are, We believe this, that we know and apply God's Word. We value it as the foundation. Remember, Jesus said, if you build your house upon the rock, the rock of Him, when the storms come, your life will stand. And and then just last week, if you're in the house or watching online as well, we we talked about how that worship is so valuable. We value worship in every part of our lives. We worship the true and the living God. Well, today we come to our third core value, and here it is, here it is. Look with me at our third core value. We value prayer as our central communication with God. Let's say that together. We value prayer as our central communication with God. Now, here's a question. Do you pray? Do you pray? Now, I I know that here's here's what I know today. I know that you and I know facts about prayer, and I also know this, you and I pray. Recently, Pew Research uh, and Barn Research together uh, did a research on prayer, and it was discovered that in 2023, that this may be a surprise, but 83% of Americans in 2023 committed themselves to prayer at least twice a day. Now, here's what I, I don't know. I, I know that we know the facts about prayer, and I know that we actually pray. But what I don't know is this, how important is prayer to your life, and is it to my life? You say, what do you mean? Here's an example. If you had 10 extra minutes each day to do whatever you wanted to do with those 10 minutes, what would you give yourself to? Now, think about that for a moment. Let it just kind of sink in for a moment. If you had 10 minutes extra each day or that you could just do whatever you wanted to do, how would you spend those 10 minutes? I believe with all my heart that I would pray. You say, why do you say that? Because of the impact of prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said these words, and I, and I read them to you. He said this, first of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul reminds Timothy of the call of God upon his life to be a pastor, proclaiming the Word of God. And then he gave his testimony, and then out of that testimony, he praised the Lord. And then he ended chapter 1 by sharing with Timothy about two people that he had personally had, had trouble with and how he turned them over to the Lord. And he'd said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And hold faith, he said in chapter 1, verse 19, hold faith with a good conscience. But now as he comes into chapter 2, he says this, first of all, King James Version says, of first importance. Do you realize that Paul sharing here says to Timothy in chapter 2, the first thing I want to instruct you with in how to do church correctly, knowing that you're going to have the Word as your foundation, knowing that you're going to worship God, the first thing that I think of importance to have a healthy church and a healthy life, or as we say, a purpose-filled life, the year of purpose is to pray. So today, I want to focus on you, with you today, listen to me, how that we could purposely pray. Now, the question must come into our lives, what is prayer? How important is it in our lives? Well, let me say this to you. Some great people in the Bible prayed. Abraham prayed so much he was called a friend of God, and so was Moses. David prayed. He would go before the Lord. And the whole book of Psalms that, that have David's name attached to them, over half of them, David's often praying we find Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, three times per day, the Bible says, he'd go before God and pray. In Daniel 9, he confessed the sins of, of his nation, and he prayed to God. We find it throughout the Bible. Uh, Elijah was a man of prayer, and we'll come back to that. But let me ask you this question, how important is prayer in your life? We find in the early church, for example, I was, I was reading in, in Acts chapter number 5, how that the early church prayed and they were consistently praying. They prayed and they thanked God when they suffered. They prayed God that when they were in prison, God delivered. But there, there's one particular scene that, that I'm going to remind you of. It's in Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> the Bible said that Herod put the, the brother of John, who was James, in prison, and he had him beheaded. And because the people liked it, the Bible said he put Peter in prison, and he was going to bring him out after the Passover and have him also beheaded. But the Scripture says this, while he was in prison, it says in chapter 12, verse 5, there was earnest prayer made for him. There was earnest prayer that was made for him. And during the night, as Peter was there between two soldiers resting, waiting for sentence the next day, the church was interceding for Peter. And I want you to know, when you intercede with God, prayer becomes powerful. Say that with me. Prayer becomes powerful. Prayer becomes powerful. What is prayer? It's our central communication with God. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But the Bible says that an angel was sent from heaven. An angel came and delivered, delivered Peter from that prison, brought him out. Peter thought he was having a vision. But then he came to himself, and when he realized that he'd been delivered, and he goes to that prayer meeting, and he knocks on the door, and they were interceding for him so much for that when he said that, that the lady who comes and asks who's there, and he says, it's Peter, she runs back and tells them and doesn't even let him in. You see, many of us pray a lot, but we don't pray with faith. You see, Paul here in 1 Timothy is asking the church, he says, hey, listen to me, Timothy, I want you to the first thing that your church should do, you should pray. 
There are five things I want to lay before your heart this morning about prayer, and, I, and you watching online as well. And I want to tell you this, prayer is the privilege of the child of God. Prayer is the privilege of the child of God. If you're not a child of God, the first prayer that God wants you to pray is a prayer of faith. Now, here in this text, five little things I want to lay before your heart. First of all, I want to lay before your heart the types of prayer. There are different types of prayer. When, when Paul is instructing here, he says, I urge, or I lean into you, I, or I plead with you, some translations say, or I, I'm emphasizing to you that there are types of prayer that you are to pray. He begins with the word supplication. That's not a word that we would use today. We would use the word intentional. This is when someone gets down to business with God. Recently, one of our, our church members had a, had a bad accident, and their life was hanging in the balance. We were supplicating, or we were interceding with Almighty God. In Mark chapter 1, a man came and fell before Jesus, fell before him to worship, and he said, Lord, if you are willing, I can be healed. He was supplicating. He was interceding. There's also the word prayer, which is a general word. It's our communication with God. God says, I want you to pray. And when you pray, the type of prayer to pray is an intercessory supplicating prayer. And then it says this, another type of prayer is actually intercession itself. When we intercede, we come on behalf of others. When we supplicate, it may be for our own lives. How many times have, have we been in a place, like for example, a mother in the middle of the night praying for her sick kids or, or a dad at work praying that he doesn't lose his job or someone on a, on a, in the middle of a war-torn area is praying for their safety. They are supplicating, but then you turn to intercede when you lift up other people. Here in this text, we find here that they are to pray they are to intercede, they are to supplicate, but also they are to engage in, listen to this, in giving thanks. Prayer is not just asking God, it's sometimes praising God, it's thanking God. Do you know Jesus often prayed that way? For example, in John chapter 11, remember John 11 when Lazarus had died and Jesus came four days later to his tomb and told them to roll away the stone and they did. And the scripture says he looked to the heavens and he said, Father, I thank you for what you are about to do. You see, friend, when we pray, we should pray to the holy God. We should come before him, and we should have intercession for what's going on in our lives. We should be people that also are, have just communication, listening to God, talking to God. Then we are to intercede for others, but we're to all through it. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do. I sat right over to my left weeks and weeks ago as we were together thinking about the, this type of thing. And then just last Sunday morning, again, my wife and I were standing during the worship part of the service, and Pastor Rick was singing about our God, who is a covenant-keeping God. And her and I have been praying about something for years. And I said to God, God, this is how I, why I have faith in you, because you do keep your promises. And so I was thanking him. It hasn't happened still yet, but I I want you to know that God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is always faithful. When Jacob came to the end of his life, whose name was changed to Israel, a deceiver who became a prince with God, at the end of his life, he said to his, his son Joseph in chapter 48, verses 12 and 13, he said, Joseph, I want you to know that all my life, 
All my life, God has been faithful. Of all the places that you send an email or you send a text or a correspondence to, not, you know this, that about 90% of the time at best you might receive a response. And there's never anyone that you can text or email that can always do for you everything that you need. But I want to tell you this, every time there's nothing that our God cannot do. And so I want to encourage you, there are the types of prayer But then secondly, I want you to see this. There are the types of people that we pray for. Here, he's specific, and he said, you should give prayer, supplications, intercession, thanksgiving for all people. You see, friend, the types of people we are to pray for are all people. And he gets specific. He said, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. The types of of prayer we've seen, the the types of people are all kinds of people. He says people are on high authority of influence and people who have no influence. The people of influence, for example, for us would not be a king, but would be our president. I'm praying for him. For as the policies that he makes and our Congress and Senate makes, so goes our nation. You say, wait a minute, God's in charge. Yes, but God sovereignly has given rule, Romans 13, 1 through 9, over to these leaders. And if we obey God, we'll be blessed. But if our leaders don't obey God, we will not be spiritually blessed. We will not be economically blessed in our lives. There will be nothing right in our lives. And I want to tell you, friend, I believe today that part of our problem is, is that we have a prayer failure in the churches in America today. America is in much of the mess that she's in because people don't have the core value of the word or worship, and also they're not warring in prayer, and God has said that we should war for him in prayer before a lost and dying world. Friend, think with me today, the types of people that we should be praying for everywhere, over overseas, everywhere, leaders in position, leaders in churches, leaders in our civic organization, leaders in our schools, leaders in our police force, leaders everywhere, uh, the common day worker praying for children, praying for people everywhere. We come before God who nothing is impossible with Him. The types of prayer, the types of people we pray for. So let me ask you today, are you praying for people? Paul said, Timothy, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for people. And now listen to this. Now I want you to see, thirdly, the touch of prayer. The touch of prayer. We see the types of prayer, the types of people we pray for. But think about the touch of prayer for just a moment. God says here that if we pray for these people, we can come to a place to live a peaceful life. Friend, God brings peace into our lives when we're praying the way that we should be. When we're communicating with God. For example, Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, he said, let's get into a boat and go to the other side. They got into the boat. Jesus and his humanity was exhausted, and Jesus went to sleep in the hull of the ship. The Bible said a storm arose. The guys panicked. Instead of praying to God, they come before him and they awakened him and they said, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Friend, I want you to know this. God cares. God cares so much about you. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't have to sleep, by the way. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that our God is a shelter in a time of storm. He's always alert. He's always on the job. He never leaves us. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's there too. 2 a.m. when you cry. He's there at 4 a.m. He's there at 11 p.m. He's always there waiting and working while he waits. 
And so I want to say this to you, that when we pray, listen to me, the, <clears throat> the touch of God is that He brings peace. But not only does He bring peace to our lives, He brings power to our lives. Listen to what the Bible says here. This is good in verse 3, and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Our God, when we pray, saves the first prayer we are to pray to God, God, you are king, you are Lord, you're the creator, God the Father. I, I know that you've created, I know Jesus is your son, that he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He made a sufficient payment for our sins on the cross, and I am turning for my sins to follow you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord that way, hallelujah, shall be saved. Now think with me for this for just a moment, friend, the types of prayer. The, listen to me, the, and then the touch of prayer. Have you been touched by the prayer of other people in this world? Here, Paul reminds us that God wants us to be saved. Verse number four says this, he desires all people to be saved and all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. Prayer will touch where you and I cannot touch. You've heard me often share the story in my own life of how that, that, that God touched my sister through the, through the prayers of a praying mother. I think about Dr. Bill Stafford talking about how that his son, who was in drugs and such a rebel, and Bill said that he and his wife every night would pray, and for years they prayed. And the son one night came home. It was in such a bad physical condition, mental condition, and he left the home. But as he left, finally the prayers of heaven got through. And Bill said he, he knew that night that he was wrong and that he needed to come to God. I don't care how far you've gone away, how tough it is in your life, what's going on around you, the touch of prayer can reach where you can't be. They may have cut you off on the phone, but they can't cut you off from God. They may have cut you off from speaking to the grandchildren, but they can't cut you off from God. They may tell you, student, that you can't speak in school. They can't cut you off in your prayer for them. Say so you may not be able on the sports field, but you may not be somewhere else. I'm to tell you through prayer you touch for the salvation of people what others could not do. The touch of prayer. The Bible says here, Jesus Christ is one God. He's the mediator between God the Father and men. He's the man Christ Jesus. How much does he love you? You say, does God really want to touch me that way? Here he does because here's what the Bible said. He gave himself for you as a ransom. For all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Listen to me today, friend. Almighty God loves you so much that he says, pray, and I'm in heaven at the right hand of the Father making intercession. The Holy Spirit is there as well making intercession, words that we cannot even say ourselves. But sometimes we get so down and out we forget that. You say, what do you mean? In the Old Testament, the prophet of God, Elijah, was a man of prayer. The Bible says in, in James chapter 5 that he was a man like us, verse 16 and 17, that he prayed and for three years it did not rain, and then after he prayed it began to rain. But do you know he got discouraged? In chapter 19 of 1 Kings, he left began, and ran away. He went into a cave, and, and there he was hiding in that cave. And the Bible said that there was this storm, and, but God was not in the storm. There was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. There was a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then, but God was in a small, still voice. 
Friend, many of us, listen, we want God to do the spectacular thing. We want Him to be in the big event. We want Him to be in the earthquake. But God often doesn't work that way. David Jeremiah said this. David Jeremiah says that when you get discouraged, you create a false narrative in your life. And the false narrative that Elijah had was this, was that God did not care and that he was on his own. Here's a good word for you today. If you will live your life as a prayer warrior, you'll never have a moment where you find yourself powerless and alone because you'll have the touch of God's power in your life. You see, it's day by day, hour by hour, where that God speaks to his people and God works on behalf of his people. So today, I want to say this to you, that you need the touch of God's power in prayer. Here we are now. Are you getting it yet? Are you praying a purpose-filled prayer life? There are the types of prayer. There are the types of people. There's the touch of prayer, but then there's something else that I want to tell you today. There's the temptation not to pray. There's the temptation not to pray. You say, where is it in the text? Paul said in verse 7, for this I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. But the reality is, is that Paul was doing this. There could be the temptation of Timothy, listen to me, not to pray for himself. You say, what do you mean? You see, sometimes, friend, we say that we're prayer warriors, but we get so busy that we leave the work of prayer to somebody else. I want to tell you this day, it is a damning thing for a church not to have a prayer ministry. It's a damning thing for a family not to have a family altar of prayer time. Listen to me. Some of you are leaving your success in the hands of other people, and you're just assuming they're praying for you. You say, but sir, people tell me they're praying. Now, let me say this to you now. There have been times in my past when I've told someone, I've texted them and said, I'm praying, and I had good intentions, but something came up and I did not pray for them. So they were out from underneath prayer covering in that moment. My, my, my mode of operation in a purpose-filled living now is this. A purpose life is this. If I'm telling you I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray right then in that moment because God wants me to pray for you right then. Listen to me. Don't get out from under the covering of prayer. God brings people into prayer as it's supposed to be. But listen to me. Some of the early leaders of our churches, listen, they understood it. One church father said this, all our failures are prayer failures. If you're failing right now, it could be that you're not praying. It could be that somebody's not praying for you. Maybe you're not recruiting prayer partners. Robert McShane said this, the great missionary. He said it this way, what a person is or a man is, he is alone on his knees before God. I've kept that as a, as a near and dear thing in my heart all of my life, saying that prayer is that vital communication with God. And I want to tell you today, the temptation is, is to pray less and to do more. Friend, listen to me. Anybody that knows anything about the kingdom of God and a purpose-filled living knows that you should pray far more then you stand and speak. Today, I have prayed seven days about this one particular house message with you today because I want you to get this today. The most significant moments of my day, the most significant hour of my day, it is the hour of prayer. It is the hour of power in prayer. Martin Luther prayed three hours per day, and they said, why do you pray that much? He said, I have so much to do. 
that I do not even dare pray less than this amount of time in the day. Why? Because there is the type of prayer that demands time. There are the types of people, so many everywhere, I'm thinking right now that we could spend the rest of our days praying for people who need the touch of God. And there's the touch of prayer. The prayer touches people where they are to bring them peace, to bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you today, are you giving in to the temptation not to pray? I want to just say to you in, in love now, cut out the things that are robbing you, that are tempting you, that are keeping you from central communication with Almighty God. We're in the Word. We are worshiping together. But as we are worshiping together, God, God move. You come, Lord. You come. You direct our lives. You be the leader in our path. One last thing I lay before your heart, types of prayer, the types of people we pray for, the touch of prayer, the temptation not to pray, and then lastly and finally, there is the time to pray. When is your time to pray? Paul summarizes in verse 8, he says, I desire then that in every place the men, the leaders should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. In other words, in unison with God and in unison with each other, he, he, we would say it this way, beg your pardon, it's now or never. It's now or never that we begin the journey of God in praying. I was listening the other day as David Jeremiah was summarizing the life of Elijah in regard to his need to pray. And he shared the story that, of, of how that be, he had gone to England, and while there in England, that he had gone to the home of John Wesley. And as he was there in the home of John Wesley, he saw there uh, an indentation on the floor at where the, there were two spots on the floor, and he asked where it was, what it was, and he said, the person giving the tour said, said, this is where that Wesley knelt in prayer. He said, as, they, as he asked him more about that, the, the, the historian said this. He said, there was a day that they had a tour group there, and there was a young man in that tour group that got missing. And they began looking for him, and they went back, and they found that he was in that very room, and he'd gotten down on his knees, just like this. He'd gotten down on his knees in those indentations, and as, he, as they came into the room, they could hear him saying, do it again, Lord. Do it again. What you did in the days of John Wesley, do it again, Lord. And someone said, well, who was that young man? And the guy told the pastor, he said, his name was Dr. Billy Graham. A young man, God, do it again. God, do it again. Friend, it is in prayer that God moves in the heart and the lives of his people. So I want to ask you today, I want to ask you today, what type of prayer do you engage in? I want to tell you, listen to me, God wants you to engage in more than just asking. God wants you to engage in interceding for your life. God wants you to be specific in your prayer life. God wants you also to be a person who is, is interceding for other people. God wants you to have communication, not just when your eyes are closed, but as you're going in day in and day out. First Thessalonians 5, 18 says, pray without ceasing. 
Be a person that in your whole life, in everything that you are part of, everything that you're doing, that you are praying and giving thanks to God. God intends you to, to build a prayer list. And I want to encourage you to li- build a list of prayers. I, I have in my journal people that I'm praying for. I'm able to look back and see what God has done and celebrate that. I'm able to look now and because of what I've seen God do, it gives me faith in the moment. And then I'm able to look to the future, put down people's name in prayer and then be persistent in prayer be a person that is patient that enduring that you will not give up be like the woman that that absolutely wore out the judge until he gave her judgment the bible says matthew 7 and 7 asking it shall be given seeking you shall find knock and the door shall be open unto you god intends that to be in your life and listen to me friend never give in the temptation of not praying Never give in to it. If you haven't prayed this morning before you go home today, come to this altar and pray. Make a time every day at morning, noon, and evening for you and God to have a touch of prayer. And friend, listen to me. With all of my heart, I say this to you. It's now time to pray. It's now time to pray in every circumstance. It's time now to pray for those around you. If you abide in Him, you will ask that which you will ask, and you'll have it. But I want to say this to you in closing. We've talked about much, and I ask you to listen to me, to pray for me, pray for our nation, pray for one another, and pray for yourself. But then I want to ask you this, have you ever prayed and received Jesus? As I look into that camera for those people, as I look at you today, I want to ask you this, do you know my Jesus? If you don't know my Jesus today, I want to tell you, he's a prayer away. He's the God who saves. He's the God who the Bible says will break the bondage of wickedness. He's the God who will break the slavery of sin that sin has in your life. He will overcome the devil in your life. He is God Almighty El Shaddai. He is Jehovah God. There's no one like him. His name is Jesus. And I want to encourage you to pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. And dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and be Lord of my life today. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. And as you pray that prayer, I want to encourage you to reach out. There's a QR code there in our bulletin. There's something there for you on TV as well for you to be able to watch this and to be able to respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you as we continue together in ministry here in the house. Let's do the thing we've been called to do. We've talked about it all morning long. Let's bow before God and pray. Father, our chart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions. And check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.